0: Hey, it's Gonzano I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go.
1: Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Konzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the bald Face Truth with John Gonzano on 750 The Game. A flip to the left side as Coletto keeps runs left and he's into the end zone. Touchdown Oregon State. And Coletto lined up at quarterback and Coletto powers his way up the middle. He's in. Touchdown Oregon State. Oregon State will knock off Washington State's Jack Coletto. Couple of rushing touchdowns and a big night for the Oregon State defense and a 24-10 win over the Cougars.
0: Oregon State's defense playing as well as anybody, maybe better than anybody in the Pac-12 Conference. They'll host Colorado Saturday night. Reeser Stadium here to talk about it. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach. Hey, how about that defense?
1: Yeah, did some good things last weekend and, and really throughout the year. I've been playing at a high level, and uh, it's, it's needed, man. And I know they love playing at home. It makes a difference with the crowd, and we get another chance this weekend to do the same thing at home.
0: Yeah, Colorado's interesting. I was watching that Colorado-Cal game, and it looked like Colorado on the defensive side was doing some things they hadn't done before. And I wondered how much confusion that caused with Cal as they prepared for a team that showed up playing a little bit different defense. What do you see on film with with them yeah, on the defensive side?
1: Yeah, there is a little bit of difference this last game. With the, uh, just kind of with the, where they put the personnel. Uh, I do think they played with a some new energy any time a transition happens like that and that's kind of anticipated new life new energy and and they played that way Uh, i'll say this too about colorado you look at the their schedule and who they've played they've lost some really good teams i mean tcu ucla both those guys are undefeated air force at their place air force is four and two and tough place to go and so anyhow this, this team, with new life and new energy, presents problems.
0: I would normally ask, you know, hey, is there a chance your guys would look past Colorado? But just what you said, and then last year you went there and they got you in overtime. Do your guys remember that?
1: Oh, they do. You know, we, we started our week of talking about that um, because, you know, especially on the road, but this team – um, is very capable, and they beat us last year. Uh, I, we're not living in the rearview mirror and, and just staring at things, but we've got to learn. Learn from last year, and this is an opportunity for us to do it. You know, last year we were sitting at a 5-2 and two record. Well, we're sitting at a 5-2 and two record now, um, and so we want to do better than we did last year.
0: Jonathan Smith is with us. Um, the On offense, you know, Damian Martinez has been good. He's had some big runs for you guys. Is, is there going to be a point where – you hand him that job or are you committed all season to kind of mixing it up back there?
1: Well, if the trend continues, yeah, he deserves more and more carries. I mean, you look at the last two weeks and what he's been able to to do, he's had some big runs. I think what separates him currently is that his, you know, he's had the runs for really explosive plays, those you know, 20, 30, 40, 50-yard gains. Um, we do like the idea, we like all our backs that we play. I mean, Jam Griffin was this conversation a few weeks ago after he, the way he carried it, and so um, we like where we're going with the three guys, but if one continually separates, yeah, he's going to see see more and more carries.
0: Gulbransen at quarterback, he he made it, You know, he made enough plays, and I don't mean any disrespect to him by that. I mean, I think it's he's got a tough job. He's stepping in there, and you guys won the game. It, is that his job yet, or is Chance coming back? Like I still, I'm waiting for the return of Chance Nolan too. Where are you guys at with that?
1: Yeah, it's Ben's job because, you know, Chance is not back. I mean, he's not yet to be clear to, to you know, participate in a game yet. And so uh, you're going to see Ben again this weekend, which we're, we're great with. Like I said, this guy started two games. We've won both of them. He's doing what we're asking him to do. we got to compliment him with a run game. Uh, he didn't get protected very well uh, last weekend. And, again, credit to Washington the State. They can rush the passer. Uh, but Ben is doing some solid things. And, we got to find a way to score a couple touchdowns in the red zone, and I think we'll feel really good about the points we're scoring.
0: What's Gobernson um, doing now that maybe he wasn't doing a week ago? Is it is the growth? Is the growth that evident?
1: Well, I think from the, you know his experience in the Utah game, where he played the majority of that game and had a couple of errors that really hurt us, uh, but it was a good experience for him to now. To where he's at now uh, in regards to you know playing on the road decisions good defenses uh, i think he's gotten better each week he's learned from the experiences he's had we've got some confidence in him in regards to managing this offense making some throws if we continue we can get better at protecting him um, i think he can he can throw for a high percentage uh,
0: it's it's easy for me to look ahead maybe you look ahead you don't want your team looking ahead but the way I see this, uh, you said it at the beginning of the year, you're going to be in every game, you have a chance to win every game. Looks like you guys got a chance to build on this, to go five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 this year. How does that feel to you as a coach to be in that position right now?
1: Well, yeah, you want to be in a position to, to have a special year and win a bunch of games. You can only do it one game at a time uh, because, yeah, you start looking too far ahead and, well, potentially we could do this or that. Well, what's in front of us is a game on Saturday, uh, how we continue to prepare and respect all and fear none. We we'll talk about that in regards to this opponent. This is what we get to do. We get to play back at home. I know guys are be excited about it. we got the bye staring at us right after this. And so I want us locked in. To, to find a way to play really well on Saturday,
0: it's uh, it, it's different now. A couple, of few years after you took over, you got better players. You you are getting better results. You guys are playing better. Um, you got the home field this week. It, you know, teams at home in the Pac twelve. By the way, home favorites this year in the Pac twelve are thirty and one. Thirty one times Pac twelve teams have been home favorites. They're thirty and one. You'll be a favorite this weekend. What is it about the home field in the Pac twelve?
1: Yeah, you know, there's some tough places to play. Um, you know, the crowd making a, uh, being a factor in a lot, of, a lot of places in the league. I think the comfort level and confidence that comes from a home team playing in their place where they spend a lot of time practicing, preparing, uh, they're used to it. Um, you know, and again, traveling, late games, you know, all of that combined adds to more and more home field advantage.
0: Alright, I'm not rubbing salt in the wound here, but your Dodgers are out, my Giants are out, we can have a grown-up conversation about this uh <laughs> yep uh, how uh how painful was that to watch that i was surprised
1: well i wish i would have been able to watch it i mean honestly so they the yeah. first pitch was right during our game i'm not gonna lie and you know i'm doing my job but at halftime i did check the score see where <laughs> it's at it was you know it was the bottom of the second inning so i was feeling like i was going to see some of it second inning we were up to nothing and then, yeah, we we won the game. I got to do some media. I went into this press conference. We were up 3 nothing. Hmm. Come out of the press conference, game's tied at 3, and then we go down 5-3. Uh, and then, obviously, we didn't do anything else after that. So it was kind of a bittersweet night for me.
0: The Dodgers need to spend more money. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. that's
2: <laughs> not Something enough. Nothing
1: like that. Yeah, it would be interesting to see who we bring back and what we got going. And I do love baseball. That's almost my disappointment. Not as much as just losing the series. It's like yeah. it's over. You're not gonna be able to watch anymore, you know, and uh, yeah, it's how it goes.
0: Will you will you pick up a team now? Like, will you work for the Padres? or you will you watch it even, or are you done with it?
1: I'm pretty much done. You know, I'm not picking up anybody, and you know, if it's on, I watch it, but I won't be setting my schedule around any baseball.
0: Baseball's interesting because you know it's a game where it's who's playing well, right? And and it, how much of that, like when you look at football, is translatable to like, hey, you have to show up and play or you get beat.
1: Yeah, there's no question. I think it's very similar on who's playing well, and that's why I'm back to Colorado with new life and one and under this new regime and new energy. Um, and so it comes down to whatever's taking place. It this 60 minutes on that particular Saturday, and you can see some momentum, especially the last week or two in teams or vice versa. Um, but it ultimately comes down when you tee it up and you got 60 minutes to go play
0: jack coletto i don't think he's getting the due that he deserves as a football player and i have a feeling he's gonna end up in the nfl somewhere playing for somebody in some undefined role that you know somebody smart sees the the talent in him what what makes coletto go in your mind like what what makes him good as a football player
1: yeah it's a whole lot one starts with how smart he is because he's able to digest really all three phases offense defense and special teams he's physically gifted now this guy's up to 240 pounds he can catch the ball he's nifty at fullback he's nifty at linebacker um and, you know, the guy has some mental toughness, not just playing the game, but that's a lot of wear and tear on the body, the mental toughness of what he's done in his diet and how he rehabs and takes care of that. He's getting a bunch of attention through the NFL scouts, I'll tell you that. Every scout that's come through here, and we've had every team represented, asking about him, can see a fit for their organization, whether it's, a, like I say, offense, defense, or special teams.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, this conference is a lot of fun right now, and it feels like it's wide open, and you guys are in this. Yeah, uh, you're certainly uh, you gotta you know you just control your destiny, and that's where you want to be. But uh, you're also you 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 need your fans this weekend as you as you have other weekends. What do you tell your home fans? Uh, what what should be a maybe a wet Saturday night in Corvallis?
1: Yeah, it's you know it's good for the weather to change, man. That's to our advantage. And and again, the crowd we're counting on them, and and they've been awesome all year, uh, starting with our students. And so they, they know they make a difference. And, yeah, we get a little right rain. That's that's the style we want to play in, And especially in this last month in November and in the climate and whatnot. So we're counting on them, and I anticipate they'll be there and fired up to go.
0: All right. It, it should be a lot of fun for you guys. I appreciate you coming on the show. And, you know, uh, I, I, was, I was being serious. I'm not trying to rub it in about the Dodgers. I, I debated yeah. even bringing it up, but I think it humanizes you a little bit. You know, we can all relate to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I anticipated it, man. You know, I took a little trash about the Dodgers. I'm you know, a huge fan and went gi- down. And, yeah.
0: yeah, but my Giants were, like, only about 30 games behind your team. So, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, DVD's talking about it's first year, first time in their history. is like 81-81, and 81, Perfect exactly eight. 500.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's hard to do, man. It's really yeah. hard to do in baseball. So, hey, I, I appreciate you coming on. Good luck to you. Uh, Go get Colorado, and, and we'll catch you next week.
1: Okay, thanks, John.
0: All right, there's Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach. Really interesting. Okay, first of all, he's going, with, he's going with Goldbergson again at quarterback. Looks like Chance Nolan, you know, my hunch is it's a concussion, and he's waiting to get cleared. I think Chance Nolan's going to come back at some point for Oregon State. I, I, I want Chance Nolan to come back. I don't think that we all want that kid's last memory to be what happened to him in his last two games, six interceptions in two games, Got knocked down and knocked out of the game against Utah. Like I just think he's a better player than that. I would like to see Chance Nolan back on the field. That said, uh, I think Oregon State's identity right now is clear: it's defense and it's running the football. And at some point, I would like to see Jonathan Smith pick a running back because I want to see what one of these guys could do with twenty carries. But we're not getting that right now. We're getting a little Damian Martinez. We're getting, you know, a little bit Jam Griffin. Uh, You know, we're getting Coletto in short yardage and. And that's fine. But the identity of this team is not, it's not the quarterback, okay? And it's a quarterback-centric game. So I have wondered for a while, like, is there a ceiling on Oregon State because they don't have a great quarterback? And I, I think I came to grips with it last weekend because I, I, I told you I, I watched USC and Utah play. Two great quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Cam Rising, great quarterbacks. Game comes down to the wire. Utah wins, fans storm the field, I leave the stadium, I get back to the hotel room in Salt Lake City, and I start thinking about the Beavers, and I had watched the Beavers' game, kind of side-eyed it during the Utah-USC game. I had it on my laptop, I was kind of watching it while the other game was going on. But I wanted to take a closer look, so I went back and watched the replay. And what I came away with was, it's really easy for anybody who sees Oregon State play, to start pointing out the faults at Oregon State. It's very easy to start going, they don't get great quarterback play. They need a QB. I'm guilty of it. I've said that at different points this season. It's very easy to go, hey, they don't have a receiver who's 6'4 and can take the top off the defense. They don't have that player. Okay, it's very easy to do that. It's very easy to start nitpicking them and, and pointing out their deficiencies. But what you need to see you need to do more than look. You need to see. What you need to see is this is a defense that sacked Cam Ward six times, hurried him seven other times, broke up 10 passes. Defense playing at a very high level. It is an opportunistic defense that shut down USC, held him to 17 points, shut down, you know, last week, uh, you know, in winning the game at Washington State, Cam Ward and Washington State's offense held him to 10 points. And is a really tough matchup for any offense in this conference. So you look at the defense, and then you look at the run game, and Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren's creativity on offense. And you go, look, if they can score at all, they're in all of these games. If they can, you know, and they will score on Colorado. Like Colorado struggles to score points. They have his, this season, you know, seventeen to twenty points has been kind of their ceiling. I kind of wonder if Oregon State has a shot to either shut them out or just give them a seven or a 10. Like, it feels like if Oregon State plays its A game, Colorado might, you know, is going to have a long night on the offensive side of the ball. So it really then turns the focus to can Ben Goldbrunson make enough plays? And will they hand the ball to Damian Martinez and Jam Griffin and others and go, hey, We're going to run the football, we're going to have an identity here, and we're going to be, you know, and and like I said, it's easy to look at Oregon State and point out flaws. The hard part is seeing Oregon State because when you start to see them, there's a difference between looking at something and seeing something. Uh, And when you start to, you know, really see a team, you understand why they win. Like, you know, I look at Oregon – I understand that they are explosive on offense. They've got Bo Nix, who's experienced, and they have a, the, the most balanced team in the conference. I understand. I see why they win. I look at UCLA. I see Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback. I see what Chip Kelly's doing on offense. I see the transfer portal and all the players he's added, the pass rushers on, and linebackers on defense. And I, It's easy to understand why UCLA's winning games. Oregon State. Their defense is lights out. Best defense in the conference right now. Damon Martinez at running back, he's exciting. He's a young player. They're going to have to hold on to him. If Gulbrunson manages the game well, Oregon State wins easily against Colorado. They beat Cal. Maybe they go to Washington and win on a Friday night. Maybe they beat Arizona State on the road. Maybe they arrive at that Civil War football game sitting on nine wins, eight, nine wins, right in there, right in the mix for either a nice bowl game, big step forward, and uh, possibly... In the mix, outside in to try to get to Vegas. If there's some chaos in front of them, and that's all they need. They don't need a bunch of chaos. They just need a little bit of Oregon over UCLA, USC over UCLA, somebody to knock off USC. Uh, Oregon, uh, Utah beats Oregon. All of a sudden, we got like a four-way tie at the top of the Pac-12. And look out, that's where Oregon State knocks on the door. So uh, I just like the fact that they're relevant right now. They were not relevant, if you just look back in recent history. Good stuff from Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach. Leave it here.
1: Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The
0: Game. Our... Closing in on Blazers opening night, Stephen. Uh, are the
2: juices flowing? The juices are flowing, John. They're flowing big time. <laughs> oh, that's sarcastic. You, okay, glad you yeah. can tell. Yes. Uh, what do we have coming up uh, top of the hour here we get, on
0: 750 The Game? On
2: 750 The Game, we got some uh, talk timbers. Hmm. So Judah, Judah Newby will be hosting that. Be, I love uh, that. Yeah. It'll be, love talking that. Timbers. He'll be talking
0: timbers. he uh, will be talking timbers. Will you be watching the Blazer game? later tonight I,
2: I will be yeah you know I'll uh, I'll definitely have it on uh I'll be trying to watch on my phone as I watch the kids and then when the kids go to bed you know I'll start paying attention
0: okay I like that um uh, this weekend uh, uh you know we haven't talked a lot about the NFL games but it appears as though Dak Prescott has been cleared to play by the Cowboys um how important like it's interesting because Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones are arguing at a uh, at an owner's meeting but how important is it for the Dallas Cowboys to be relevant for the NFL to be the NFL? Like, we, we always talk about in baseball, like, baseball needs its brands. Does the NFL need the Dallas Cowboys?
2: Hmm, yeah. Um. I don't think that they—I don't— Is yeah, it better? Yes, no. I mean, is it better if they're relevant? Yes, it's better yeah. if they're relevant. I think if they were really bad, it would affect it a little bit because they're always on in that, you know, 115, 125 window uh, here on the West Coast. And so if they're always putting those games on and they're not good at all, like that would affect, I think, the product a little bit. So yeah, I think they, I think the NFL, they don't need them to be great, but it definitely helps them when they're great.
0: The fact that Cooper Rush, who was starting in place of Prescott, played pretty well, the Cowboys are four and two. um, You know, it's, does that, like, there's no quarterback controversy with Prescott coming back, obviously, because of the money and the fact that the guys played at a high level, but, does, what does that do to the Dallas Cowboys? The fact that you know they're in this position,
2: I think it. I think it changes their their mindset of how they're going to go about the season. You know, last season they uh, led the NFL, I believe, in either points or yardage offensively. Where now the way to win with Dallas is just rely on that defense and that front seven. Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the NFL. I think if they just so Dak doesn't make mistakes and then. He's going to to have the arm talent that Cooper Rush doesn't have. He'll be able to make a throw downfield when they need to, but rely on that defense in the run game with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Like, I think the Cowboys have a better recipe to win now that Dak went out because they realize they can win and they don't have to score, you know, 30 points. They can rely on that defense and go from there.
0: I think, like, the same logic, you know, in the the Pac 12 conference, as much as none of us want to say this, uh, the fact that the USC is back. Uh, it means something to the conference. It validated Utah over the weekend, as Utah had the big win. It'll validate whoever plays them later in the year. It's possible that they get to the Pac-12 championship game, and maybe it's Oregon or somebody else who gets there. And it's possible that because it's USC, it's going to feel bigger. The Dallas Cowboys, the Yankees, the you know, in some respect, the Patriots. Uh, you know, once upon a time. Uh, The Spurs, when they were good, I think they they bring something to that, that equation. And I wonder, you know, part of what I think is wrong in the NBA with sort of the transient nature of the game is we're not getting to see groups of players, except for the Warriors now, in one place for a sustained period of time. Like, I can just remember, we all knew the Pistons with Isaiah Thomas. We knew the Bulls with Michael Jordan. We knew... You know, there were some teams you had to get by. It was the, it was Clyde Drexler and the Blazers. It was there were some teams. It was the Knicks with Ewing and Starks. Like there were some teams that you just knew were going to be good every year. I, I kind of wonder right now with the way the NBA is, outside of the Warriors, and the way the NFL is with with all the parity, if we've kind of lost those benchmark franchises in some respect and. I think the Cowboys having Dak Prescott healthy, it matters to the brand of the league. But am I out in left field just flailing around on that topic, or is there some logic in that? And I don't know if there's any going back to the era where players stuck with teams, but it feels to me like success is so fleeting right now because of that.
2: Yeah, no, it's never going to go back just because of how much money is involved. But, you know, I think there are certain players where you think about them and you think about a certain place, like, you know, you go to the NFL, like, I was a big Emmett Smith fan growing up. Like, he played for the Cardinals, but everyone thinks of Emmitt Smith on the Cowboys, where I think, like, even if Damian Lillard were to leave Portland, he would still be remembered as, you know, the all-time Blazer great that he is. Um, but, yeah, it's never going to be the same because there's the money involved, and I think the criticism and the, the, the thirst for having to win championships, like, that's all that matters in sports nowadays with a lot of fans – like, that kind of stuff is going to make it so people are always going to leave to try to chase that championship and get that championship. Yeah,
0: I'm interested in that. And I would like to have some of that in Portland if the Blazers could ever get to a position where, you know, we just knew year in and year out, like the Warriors do, that they're going to be really good. But, I uh, look, I, I wrote today at johnconzano.com that this is a franchise that needs to be sold this is a franchise that needs to seriously consider pretty early on in this season whether or not they really have a chance to win. And if not, I think you know the tankathon or the Victor Wembanyama uh, era of uh, NBA tanking. The Blazers would would be well advised to join that. I get it; he's a big guy; he's seven foot five and all that. And big guys in Portland don't tend to do well. But there is also um, a consolation prize sitting at the number two pick in the draft that. That isn't shabby. Uh, I'm hopeful for the season, but I also feel like we've been here before. And if the byproduct of this season ends up being Jody Allen coming to grips with the idea that she needs to sell the team, that's a win, too. All right. Judah Newby and Talk Timbers is coming up. I want you to leave it right here on 750 The Game for that. Grab a podcast of The Bald Face Truth wherever you get a podcast. Tomorrow on the show Dan Lanning, Oregon football coach, he'll join us. Want you here for it. You got the bald face truth.
1: We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the bald hey, face
0: truth. sorry Trump to interrupt Florida. the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth radio show including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth radio show. Thanks for listening.